when we meet together in the, in the summer to observe the Lord's Supper, we want to uh, try to remember the covenant, how it represents the covenant that God made with us. There was an old covenant, a covenant that relied upon the law and really did nothing more to show us what type of sinners we are and how far we are from God's glory and God's holiness and God's standard for our life. And we thank God for the new covenant that's not built upon works, but is brought to us by the grace of Jesus Christ and the shedding of His blood and the breaking of His body that we observe in the Lord's Supper. And this morning we want to remember as the Lord's Supper, as a common meal, and how it joins us together as believers. And as we've heard in the Scriptures already this morning in Deuteronomy, we talked about the people of God and what was required of Him, that God had assembled them as a people to be His witnesses, that He poured out His love upon a people. And then we learned in, uh, in John how Jesus' great desire for us for us as His people, for us as believers, is for us to be one just as He and God were one. And we talked a few Wednesday nights about, ago about abiding and how that represents closeness and togetherness and how that, should, that type of relationship should be in us, a unity of mind and a unity of purpose and a unity in spirit that's so close together you really can't tell the difference between one or the other. And God has that desire for us that we be one in heart and one in purpose. And then, again, we learned in uh, Romans how He's designed us as a body with different gifts and different purposes and, and different personalities, while even though that God has made us one, He has made us all different, and we all have different things to share. And when we are not sharing what it is that God has blessed us with as far as His talents, the whole body suffers. And this morning, I want us to remember as we look into the book of Acts, and I remember when I was reading through the Scripture, it reminded me back to the time when church was fun. You see, I like coming to church. I've always liked coming to church. I've always enjoyed the fellowship. I've really never been the, person, the type of person that would just come to church. I was never one of those who were just on the periphery that would come just in the doors in the morning and then just go out at night and then just go out to the rest of my week. I was always uh, involved, and I always enjoyed the fellowship that I had with, uh, with those that were there in the church, regardless of what church that I was in. I always enjoyed the time that I had with, uh, with, the, with the youth, and I always remember back then, and we were, we were, uh, we were pretty close uh, as a youth group, and... Um, and I remember it was such a blessing to me because uh, I was a weird teenager. I was, uh, I was, I was, pretty, uh, I was pretty strange. And uh, it was really hard for me a lot of times to, to find the right friends, but they took me in and we shared together. And even without prompting or without adult supervision for the good or for the bad, we would go places together and we would hang out together even when we weren't church. And I always enjoyed that fellowship. And I always enjoyed the togetherness of the body of Christ. And I've always looked at them, and I looked at you as brothers and sisters. I think of you as a family. Now, that doesn't mean that everything was always great in the church. 
And I've been in church for a long, long time. And if you've been in church for a long, long time, you see a lot of stuff. And a lot of the stuff is not all that good. I remember one time uh, I was uh, at a church and uh, we were, they were having a, a business meeting. And um, there was some gentleman that had uh, gotten up and he was complaining that somebody had the audacity to go out and put some shutters up around the church without getting the church's permission, a.k.a. without getting his permission. Y'all know how that works up in the church. And uh, he had threatened that uh, if those shutters were not taken down, that he was going to go down there and take them down himself. And then the gentleman who put them up stood up, and of course he had uh, said uh, his, uh, his feelings and I guess he was, if he was reading from Scripture, it had to be in the Old Testament because it was a pretty harsh words. And uh, I remember as they were going back and forth, I was sitting next to the buddy, and uh, he tapped me and said, can I stand up and make a motion that these two, ta- these two gentlemen take this outside and settle it amongst themselves? And I remember, uh, you know, even that those times of division and even those, those times of fight that I always in love being the church because there was so much love and so much to enjoy about the church. But it wasn't always great. I remember the uh, first time when uh, I was probably, uh, I guess I was about 19, 20, thereabouts, and um, our pastor had, uh, had left and uh, I was a uh, young preacher in, uh, in training, and they decided that they would uh, make me the, uh, the interim until they uh, find someone that was much, much better. And uh, so I remember going in there to the first deacon's meeting. I kind of sat down there in the middle of it, and there was one gentleman that looked at me, and uh, he just proceeded to talk about how bad of a preacher I was and how I was unqualified and I was the wrong person for the job. And he was just going on and on and on. And I looked around the room and nobody else was telling him any different. Church can be a difficult place. But I've always loved the fellowship of the church. And I've always loved being a part of the church. But sometimes things drag us down. Sometimes we get caught up in thinking about budgets Sometimes we get caught up in our disagreements. Sometimes we get worried about buildings and projects and who's there and who's not there. That church just seems to lose its fun. It just seems to be a chore. It just seems to be a drag. And what I want us to do this morning, and I think what this scripture does, is it takes us back as we observe the Lord's Supper to remember back when we first came to know the Lord, back when we had zeal for Him, back when He first appeared to us, before we got weighed down with the world, before we got callous in the church, before we got worried about anything else, what it was like, remembering back to what it was like, back when church was a great, enjoyable experience. Because that's where this verse takes us. Because in um, chapter 2, in verse 37, just a couple of verses ahead, you know, Peter, Peter, had, uh, I mean, uh, Peter had just finished his sermon, and he laid out the gospel message to the people. And then finally, as these people heard this message, they said, well, what? They says that they were cut to the core, and they said, what must we do? And then he told them how to be baptized. And they told them to receive the Holy Spirit. And so that is what they did. And as we come into verse 42, we see that many came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Many were coming as their first experiences of knowing God. And now these verses tell us 
about what it was like and what they did. And verse 42 introduces us to the four fundamental things that make church fun. And the verses that come after us tells us what happens when we put those four things in place. Verse 42 tells us, first of all, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, back then, uh, the apostles' teachings weren't written down for them in a book like we have. And when you read the Scripture, you hear that you get to see what Moses said and what the prophets said and what the psalmist said and what the apostles said and what Jesus said. And you get to learn all of those things. But when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, they came to John, they came to Peter, they came to the apostles to hear how they talked to them about what they witnessed and how they were supposed to live this new life in God, this new life in Christ. And it said they devoted themselves to, uh, to the apostles' teaching. And that devoted means that they were doing it intently. That means that they were thirsty. And that means that they were hungry. Have you ever seen something that you just really, really wanted to do? Maybe you really wanted to be a good hunter. And you, or you really wanted to be a good fisherman. Or you saw someone who inspired you and said, you know what, I want to be a nurse or I want to be this. And when you set your heart to say that this is what I want to do, this is who I want to be like, you set your mind, you devote yourself to learning how it is that they're doing it. And that's for us as believers. When we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we should desire in our hearts to be more like Jesus, to learn what this life is all about. So I don't know. I didn't just become a Christian and know what God wanted for me in my heart and in my life. So I had to find out. I had to search it out. So what did I do? I came to church and I listened to the preaching. I opened up the Word and sought it out to see how God would want to live my life. And it's been a lifelong pursuit for me, devoting my heart and devoting my life to learning more and more about what Christ wants for me. Because I'm stubborn, and I'm hard-headed, and I got a lot of areas that need to be changing into my life. And every time God gets one kind of taken care of, buddy, there's another one to take care of. So I devote myself to the apostles' teaching, and we should too. And the second thing is, they said, and the fellowship, and the fellowship. What is it about when we have a great interest, when we have a passion in our hearts, in our life, something that we like to do, whether it's sports, whether it's quilting, whether it's watching a program on TV. You just love being around people who have that same interest, don't you? Because you want to get around and you want to talk to them about what it is you love to do. And you want to tell those stories. And you want to learn some of the tricks that maybe they do. You want to learn from their experience and they want to learn from you. And there is a fellowship. There is a community. And even when we go through a difficult, when people go through difficult times in life, either they've lost a loved one or they've gone through an addiction or they've gone through a depression, they always find good solace in being around people 
who've been through the same thing and got through it. When God created Adam, he looked at Adam and said, it is not good for man to be alone. And it's not good for us to be alone. Because when we are alone, that's when we get lost in our thoughts. We get lost in our sins. We get lost in our shortcomings. We get lost in our own minds and our own ideas. But when we have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are able to encourage one another and build one another up. And then the third thing, and I'm pretty sure this is what we like the most, the breaking of bread. Boy, us Baptists, we're all about breaking up some bread, aren't we? We all about breaking up bread. We all about breaking up chicken. We all about breaking up dressing. It really, when it says the breaking of bread in the New Testament, it really kind of has a twofold meaning. And all also means it means, first of all, the suppers and the fellowship and the meals that we have with each other as believers. And there's just something about coming together as a group and being able to sit down and talk over a meal. And uh, how great it was uh, last week for us all to be together with uh, a lot of people that uh, some of you haven't seen in a while and some people I've never seen before in my life. But how great a time it was in fellowship as we all sat around the tables and we all enjoyed this time of fellowship, of bonding together. And what a great time it was. But then and also this breaking of bread meant the observance of the Lord's Supper, of what we will do today. Remember, it was on the walk of Emmaus when the people had Jesus walking beside them, and they had no idea who it was. But when they sat down and broke the bread together, it all of a sudden clicked in their mind that there was Jesus standing before him. And that's what the Lord's Supper serves for us today. As we get distracted by the ways of the world, as things in our life just really don't make sense, as we as tendency, you know, we tend to swerve and we tend to get off course, we get to come back and we get to take that bread and we get to take that cup and we get to remember and refocus about what Christ has done for us and what it means to be a child of God. But not only what it means to be a child of God, but also to remember what it means to be a brother and sister in Christ in fellowship with one another. And the fourth thing was prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And it wasn't just how we pray on our own when we are in our closet and we are in our times of uh, devotion. And that really is the foundation of our, our prayers but I think in this context, when he's talking about this fellowship that we have, this togetherness that we have, and this devotion to the teachings that we have, I can't help but thinking these prayers were prayed together. And it isn't good to know when we have the opportunity to come and pray together for each other, to lay down our concerns, to lift up one another and to ask God to watch over each and every one of us. I remember the first time I came to this church, and uh, they had the altar call. And I thought, man, this is kind of weird. 
And, uh, and I kind of thought as more as it was close and, and apparent that the Lord was going to call me here, and I thought about what, we, uh, what I thought about it, what we should do about it. But I just remember as, as I've been here, what a great time it is that we take time each week to come down the altar as the body of Christ and to just lift up one another up. Sometimes we can feel so alone out there in the world, isn't it? Sometimes we can think that no one cares about us, nobody knows what's going on in our heart. But as we come together to pray, just the sense of knowing that you have people there with you makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? I know it does for me, and I hope it does for you. But these were really the four elements that really composed of what the church was all about, what made it exciting to come together and devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, not only to hearing it, but to applying it to their life and for them to fellowship with one another and for them to share meals and to share the Lord's Supper for one another and for them to pray for one another and for them to pray for their common concerns and for them to pray for their communities and for them to pray for their lost ones and for them to earnestly seek God. They applied these four fundamental principles in their hearts, in their lives. And let's see what happened. Let's see what took place. In verse number 43, it says, And all came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The word there is fear came upon them, but many translations now, they want to say awe because we're really worried about what sort of a impression that word fear makes. Because a lot of people, when they say fear, they think, uh, fear God, that they should be scared of God. They should be afraid of uh, being struck down by lightning. They should be afraid of all their sins, and they should be guilty for all their sins because God is just waiting to punish them. But that really is not the fear of all. But when God says that we want to fear Him, that means that we recognize Him for who He is and the fact that He has power and He has authority over our lives and over history and over world, over the world. And He knows our actions and He does know our sins and He does respond to those things. And that should produce the fact in our hearts and our lives that we're going to be accountable for our actions. Fear can be a good thing. It's good that you fear your parents when you're young. It's good to know that, hey, if you get out of line, there's going to be a consequence. If you do something wrong, and if you do something in secret, they're going to find out somehow, some way, and there will be consequences. It's good to live our life with a sense of that sort of awe and that respect, knowing that they have to be recognized for the authority that they do have in their life. And so when they were in fear and they were ah, they recognized God as big, all-powerful, all-saving, all-knowing, all-loving, able to respond in His own sovereign will. They feared an odd going, knowing that He knew their sins and He knew their actions, but also fearing awe and knowing that He knew their hurts and He knew their needs, and they indeed, and God indeed, 
would take care of them. So they recognized God as a power. They recognized God as a person. They recognized God as someone who is acting and who is living and who is moving in the world today, who is wanting to save sinners, who is wanting to redeem the world, but yet in a time is going to bring his judgment. And once they recognized God for who he was, God started moving. Signs and wonders were performed in their midst. Once we recognize God for who he is, once we worship God for who he is, once we obey God for who he is, then we'll get to see God move in our hearts and our lives. And we'll get to see God move in our church. And we will get to see God move in our community. But we've lost the awe. We lost the fear. Sometimes deep in our heart, I wonder if we really believe that God exists, if that we really believe those promises, if we really believe that God is actively moving in the world today. Once they recognized God, God started moving. But now let's look at the togetherness. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and to distribute them the, the proceeds to all that had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. First of all, I want to recognize the what of together. What did this togetherness look like? It was a togetherness where they came together and looked out for one another. This was the time at the festival of the, of the Passover, and it had flown into the time of Pentecost, and a lot of people didn't really plan to be here all this long. And so a lot of the people from the foreign lands were probably starting to run out of supplies and uh, running out of provisions for this time away. And so the people who had things said, well, I'll tell you what, I will sell some of my things so I can make sure that everybody has enough that everybody is taken care of. And so you see this idea of fellowship carried forward to the idea that they as a church would look out for and take care of one another. And we do a pretty good job with that here at Pine Grove of looking out for one another and taking care of one another. And I pray that we will continue to do that and we'll continue to see the needs of those who are in our church family and, um, and take care of those needs. And so we see the what of their togetherness, but we also see the where. Where was this fellowship? Where was this togetherness being displayed at? It was displayed, first of all, in the temple as they would go and worship together as they would go together to join and to worship the Lord God. But it wasn't just at the church. It wasn't just at the temple, but it was also in their homes. As groups of believers, even in a church full of thousands and thousands of people, what really made it sweet was that time where groups would come together in houses of maybe just three or four or four or five, ten or so, and would just worship 
and fellowship God together. How great that was. That's really what built that church, wasn't it? Was that time they spent together, not just in big assemblies, but in those small assemblies there in the house as they drew more and more in to the fellowship and the knowledge of God. But it also changed their lives. Look at what it says as they were in their homes. And uh, it says that um, they received their food with glad and gracious heart, praising God and having favor with all people. By devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and praying for one another, it changed their individual hearts. Now they approach life with gratitude and thanksgiving. Where are you this morning? Is your heart filled with gratitude and thanksgiving? Are you thankful for the things that you had in the life that you've lived? Or is everything just a bore? Maybe it's time this morning to get back, to get back to when God and the church and your relationship with Him was fun. But let's look at the results. Let's look at the results. It says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We know those. Verse 41, those thousands came as a result of Peter's preaching the gospel. But where did this multitude who came to know Jesus come from? They didn't come from a large evangelistic crusade. It didn't come from a mass preaching. But these people came to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because those who came to know him through the preaching lived it out in their lives and it just drew them in one by one as they saw the changed different lives of God's Christ church and how they were devoted to the teaching and how they were living their life differently in the community and the fellowship they had with one another and how they prayed with one another and how they lived with gratitude and thanksgiving. They wanted to know what's different. And what was different was that they received Jesus Christ as their Savior. As we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, let our hearts go back to when church was fun, to when we first knew God, and to living our lives by these four principles. And watch it change our hearts and our lives and our churches in our community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us this morning and for the opportunity that we have to come and to worship you. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we take up the Lord's Supper this morning, Lord, our hearts are drawn back to when we first knew you. Lord, and that you renew in our hearts and our lives, Lord, that fire 
that fire to know you more. The fire, Lord, to love one another more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.